I'm Polly. I'm a mom, a wife, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and founder of No Kegels University. I have helped thousands of women stop leaking, enjoy intimacy, and feel proud of their bodies, even after having kids. After years of listening to women wonder why no one talks about leaking, how they should properly recover after having a baby, and that pleasurable intimacy is possible, I started to get real frustrated because I believe that no mom or woman should struggle when there are answers. It became my mission to shed light on the lack of postpartum care and the lack of discussion on issues that relate to women and their health, even if they can be uncomfortable sometimes. It also became my mission to change the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more. Here we go. Episode 38, Rules for Diastasis Recti. Years ago, I heard this little saying about rules, and I have since heard the same saying, but I don't know who to give credit to, so whoever wants to take credit, they can take credit. But the little saying goes, there are two rules. Rule number one, have fun. Rule number two, don't break rule number one. I've heard it said differently where there's different rules as rule number one, but the thing that always cracks me up is that when you start to say rule number two, whoever you're speaking to, they just listen so intently. And then as soon as their brains realize that there's really only one rule, the look of joy or just even humor on their face, it always, I just always enjoy that. So My purpose in telling you that is to give you some rules for diastasis recti or diastasis recti or however you want to say it or however you've heard someone say it. And the reason I wanted to give you rules is because this is something else I get asked a lot about is what's the best exercise to do for diastasis or what's the worst thing I could do for diastasis? And I continue to see a lot of different information being circulated online and through social media. And there's a lot of it out there that is not exactly true. And so I have a few rules for my patients and my coaching clients, and I wanted to share those with you so that you could start implementing them right away. And while there are two rules I'm going to give you today, spoiler, rule number two is not break rule number one. There's two, there's two rules I'm going to give you. So the first rule I want to give you is it should be easy like high school. So I know this may not be crystal clear, but give me just a few minutes to explain it so that you have an understanding on this one. And I want you to think back to high school or even college. So if you want to change this rule to easy like college, you can do that. But I want you to think about when you would work out or when you'd perform a physical activity, even if it was just gym or an exercise class in college. Remember those days when you could just follow whatever the instructor was saying or whatever the magazine told you to do, and you could do it and do it well. Do you remember those days? 
it was almost like your core and your abdominal muscles knew exactly what to do. They would turn on and you could just do whatever the exercise was. Do you remember those days? That is the premise that I want you to hold every exercise up to while you are A, recovering, or B, in the postpartum stages. And that could even be 7, 10, 12 years, most especially if you're starting out. And I feel like I get a lot of slack or even crap for this one because I'll get arguments or maybe even discussions. Not They're not always arguments. Sometimes they are though from other fitness professionals or personal trainers that will say, well, if you're not taxing that muscle and if it's not hard enough, then it's not going to ever get strong enough. And while that is a true and correct principle that in order for muscles to become stronger, they need to be broken down in order to be to be built back up again. Where this gets messed up and disrupted and where this doesn't really become true and why it's so important that any exercise that you're doing for your core should be easy like high school is because the way in which you're performing that exercise says a whole lot more about how that exercise is going to benefit you and your muscles and your rehabilitation process of those muscles after having babies, no matter how long ago it was, than just doing some really tough exercise. And what I mean by this is so many times I'll have patients or coaching clients come back to me after they've worked with me and they'll say, hey, I'm having a really hard time with fill in the blank exercise. And I'll say, okay, well, send me a video or let's set up a call. And I want to see you do it because maybe my, my brain always goes to first and foremost, okay, maybe it's just the technique in which that they're doing it, that that's the difficult part. Because sometimes it's just a matter of changing an exercise a little bit to make it a little bit more doable or more easy to perform on their end. And while my brain over the last 13 years still goes to, it's probably a technique thing, probably at least 90% of the time, that exercise is too difficult for them. And the reason is, is because they can't perform, not yet anyways, they can't yet perform the proper technique because that exercise is too difficult. And as I'm watching them do it, they're, they're doing some very different. (laughs) um, I'm trying to think of how to, how to illustrate this because I, I mean, I would demonstrate so that you could see, but what comes to mind is they are, their face is super red and their belly might be blown up. Like it's not nice and flat and they might not be able to speak very well while they're performing this exercise on the video or the virtual call with them. And what that tells me is, gosh, this exercise, it's too difficult because you're utilizing all of these extra compensations to make this exercise happen. And when you're having to use compensations like tilting your back or your pelvis to stay on the floor or the fact that their face might be red means that you're probably holding your breath. The fact that 
you're unable to speak very well, like it's, it's very difficult for them to, to get any words out clearly and comfortably, that tells me that they might be holding their breath. They might be trying to purposely tighten these abdominal and core muscles so that they can continue to perform this exercise. And sometimes I'll even see that their hip flexors, the ones that lift our legs, they are doing more work than their abdominal muscles actually are. And I know that the exercise they're wanting to improve or at least the muscle group they're trying to improve is their core and abdominal muscles, not not the hip flexor muscle. So with all these compensations, what ends up happening is that we're not working the abdominal muscles or the core muscles effectively and efficiently. We're, we're doing a lot of other things to make it appear as though those core muscles and abdominal muscles are working. And this is one rule that it should be easy like high school that is easily implemented. I know I'll probably say easy a lot in this, in this episode, but I want you to have that ingrained in your mind that if you're doing the exercise and doing it well, number one, you're probably not coming up with a bunch of extra compensatory or compensations from other muscle groups you will know that those core muscles are absolutely working and working the way that the exercise has designed to. And another reason that following rule number one of having this should be, having the exercise be easy like high school is in order to protect that gap and that separation of those abdominal muscles. And I definitely don't want you to be scared of that gap or that separation of those abdominal muscles because I think a lot of those on social media want you to be afraid, maybe without knowing it, but the language that they use makes you sound like it's the worst thing in the world and it's really not. But protecting that gap, especially being fresh postpartum, and I'm talking like a year, maybe even longer, if you are nursing or pumping for longer than a year, you still are at risk for creating more separation there. Now, while I, while there is a line that should be maintained of having those muscles work, but also not having them work too much that we're creating a larger gap, that line is pretty thick. But I feel like you are going to be on the more conservative side. And even if it might take you a little bit longer, erring on the side of protecting your gap, if you will, while still asking it to do some work, (laughs) that's going to be a much safer side for you to be on in terms of trying to strengthen those core and abdominal muscles. So when you're performing an exercise, you can just ask yourself, If I was back in high school or back in college and I'm doing said exercise, is it easy like high school? Can you just start doing the exercise and it's not a problem? You will know the answer to that. And if you need help, you can always ask someone and say, does it look easy? Does it look like I'm doing this right? And that should be enough for you to be able to answer yourself as, is this an, is this exercise okay for me to do with or for diastasis recti? The next rule is don't 
tighten your abdominal muscles. And I know I you're probably frustrated because every or even confused because every fitness professional, every YouTube video, every group fitness class, it doesn't matter what modality or what type of exercise, many, many, many fitness instructors and professionals will say, tighten your abs, engage your core, keep that tummy tight, bring that belly button back to your spine. I'm telling you not to. While this could be at least a 12-episode topic, I'll keep it simple here. I'm going to bring up a couple of points, and I want you to pretend that we're not even talking about the core, we're not even tightening, we're not even talking about tightening those abdominal muscles during an exercise. I just want you to honestly answer them. The first question I want you to think about is anytime you do a squat, because your glutes are part of that squat, do before performing this squat, do you tighten your glutes and keep them tight or keep them engaged throughout the entire squat? Yes or no? Question number two. When you tighten a muscle, are you able to move through that muscle being tight the entire time? So I want you to think about squeezing your quad muscles. I feel so if you're sitting there, kick your legs straight out in front of you, and I want you to squeeze those the tops of your thighs. And what you might notice is that your kneecap kind of comes up or raises closer to your hip just ever so slightly. Are you able to move when those muscles are tightened? Yes or no? More than likely, you answered no to both of those questions. Our muscles cannot stay tight at the same degree in order for a joint to move. So if you haven't tried the squeeze your glutes, keep them squeezed and do a squat and then stand back up, keeping them squeezed the entire time. If you haven't tried that yet, I want you, I want you to. Because you probably look like someone who's constipated. You might look really uncomfortable. But more importantly, that's not how a squat looks. Muscles cannot maintain that tightness, that shortening, that contraction at the same level of degree in order for the joint to move. You probably had a really hard time if you squeezed your glutes and tried to squat keeping those glutes squeezed. But on the flip side, could you do a squat like you normally were able to? No way, because if your glutes were squeezed and they were kept engaged through the whole thing, you definitely can't move through that squat. So this is one of the most logic rationales that I can come up with why we don't need to be tightening our core during core exercises. Because one of the jobs of some of the core muscles anyways is to maintain stability at our spine. But our spine also is going to move throughout that exercise. And even if you are laying on the ground, there still is a level of change that has to happen there. And I can feel myself kind of going off into the deep end of the science realm. So I'll stop there. But 
I want you to think about that, that principle that, that muscles don't need to stay tightened and stay tight throughout an entire exercise. They're going to contract a little bit more, contract a little bit less, depending on what that movement is. And I strongly feel that that is not helping you when you're trying to strengthen your core and abdominal muscles, because that's probably, well, I shouldn't say probably, that is not what's happening as you're bending over to grab something at the bottom of your cart at the grocery store, or when you bend over to pick up the Amazon box full of your subscribe and save orders at your front porch. Your core is not tight the entire time. That's not how it works. And if you don't believe me on that front, there's even been research that has delved into what muscles are firing and when they're firing throughout specific exercises and activities and the level of activation, or we could even call it tightening, it changes throughout that motion or depending on the activity. So you're essentially, if you're trying to tighten those core muscles or abdominal muscles during an exercise, you're not really helping them have that carryover into your regular activities, especially the ones where we're having to bend over and pick up that heavy box from Amazon on our front porch. We're not training our bodies in a way to help us. Another reason that rule number two is so important, if you remember in rule number one, I talked a little bit about protecting your gap, protecting that area where your abdominal muscles have pulled away or separated or where that is or where there is that gap. And one thing that I see time and time again, and this is something that's kind of hard to explain or describe on the podcast, but I want you to take my word for it because I want you to succeed at this and I want you to protect that gap and to have a stronger abdominal muscles and core muscles after having babies. One of the things that I see often with my patients and my coaching clients when watching them, especially when they want to show me or ask me if they're tightening their core, especially their transverse abdominus or engaging or isolating their transverse abdominus. Number one, they're not always tightening it. (laughs) And that's such a disheartening thing for me to share with them because while they're trying to quote unquote isolate or tighten their transverse abdominus, What they're doing instead, because their brain is looking for some sort of feedback that something is happening at the core, one of the things that they'll do is that belly will actually blow up and kind of be tight, almost like you're like pushing. We call it Valsalva. And the name doesn't really matter, but what matters is, is that your belly is blown up and it probably feels tight to the touch. And so your brain is perceiving tightness or it feeling firm or feeling hard as a sign that you are tightening or engaging or contracting one or some of those abdominal muscles. And that's not what a contraction is. A contraction is where those muscles shorten or tighten. So they're actually going to shrink away. And then on the flip side of that, I mentioned this phrase earlier, pulling your belly button to your spine. 
sometimes I'll see women do this where they'll think that they are quote unquote tightening or engaging their abdominal core muscles by pulling their belly button to their spine. That's not a contraction. That That's not what we're after in the abdominal and core muscles working. Because again, you're not trying to quote unquote tighten those muscles and maintain that tight or contracted state of those muscles throughout an exercise. Remember, it's supposed to be ebbing and flowing. That contraction might be a little bit less. It might be a little bit more. It's going to flow through those different degrees of that muscle contracting and just pulling your belly button to your spine. That's, that, that's not a contraction. That's not helpful. And I'm hopeful in this episode that you, while I have probably challenged many of the things that you've been taught And one of the follow-up questions that I'll answer, because I'm sure I will get a lot of them in my email (laughs) or in my DMs, is that, well, why is everybody saying if if it's not true? That's a really great question. And I think that it's very easy. and, And I'll even add this. I don't think that there's any harm or like negative intentions behind doing it. I think that once you learn something, and this is just my observation, I could be wrong, but I also want to think good and well of many of the fitness influencers and professionals out there. They heard this once, or it was in a textbook that they studied years and years ago, or they saw so-and-so teaching it this way, and so they assume that it's right. Rather than really having a critical analysis or thinking a little bit further of, well, we don't tell any other muscle group to tighten before and maintain that tightness or contraction throughout a movement or throughout an exercise. So why are we telling the core? And really, as I mentioned earlier, that some of the research really backs up that our core is doing different things depending on the activity and depending on what's actually happening and which core or abdominal muscle is actually firing and working during that activity or that range of motion or what have you. One of the things that I think many people do, and I think it's on accident, is even though we have all this research coming out, it's not always part of a trainer's process or a fitness professional's process to think about revisiting the current research and what's coming out and what's the latest and greatest. And I'll even say that there's other pelvic floor PTs that teach this very opposite of me. And despite my attempts to have these deep analytical conversations, because it was the way we were taught in physical therapy school, I think it's hard for some to really move away from the basics of what they were taught because the basics have changed or the basics have evolved in trying to really understand with new technology and new research and new questions that are coming out. It's it's hard to stay on top of those things. And for some, I think it's overwhelming and probably comfortable for them to stay there. And I never want anyone to feel like I'm attacking them or their method or what have you, but but it is something that I do think is it's worthwhile questioning. The core does not function like 
or I should say exactly like the bicep or the quadricep. It's a little more involved, very similar to the pelvic floor. We don't just contract it and relax it. There's a lot more happening there. And this is where I, again, I don't want to go dive deep into the science realm of things. I promised you that from the very beginning, my job is to help give you the takeaways that you can implement today. And I want to stand behind that, but I also feel like as it relates to diastasis recti or core strengthening exercises or the rules to follow or not to follow, I think that there does, there should be some discussion on the science and the anatomy and the kinesiology. But at any length, know that understanding what's coming out, that's not necessarily your job, it's my job. I just am hopeful that you have established a level of trust with me and confidence in me that what I'm providing to you is the latest and greatest and is what's working with my patients and coaching clients. And I think that's another consideration that as you are diving through other people's programs, because in in all honesty, there are some really great programs out there as it relates to pelvic floor and core, I, I would really caution you. And I would caution you only in the sense that I've worked hands on with patients for over 13 years. And some of these fitness professionals that are encouraging you to follow their ways, which are the ways that are being recycled over and over again. My concern here is that they maybe have seen it work a little bit on themselves and maybe they didn't come to the table with a lot of dysfunction and they were able to make some changes for themselves. I'm not disputing that, but I think having an understanding of how women's bodies work and how they function, I do think that's vital in looking at a program to see if, well, shoot, have they had any hands-on, have they watched, you know, one-on-one with patients or clients or what have you to see these changes over the years. That's another caution I would give you because again, I I want the best for you and I want you to have wins and I want you to most especially have really, really strong and functional and healthy muscles. So if you have not yet grabbed my latest resource, the three reasons why kegels won't solve your problems, check the show notes to get your free guide there. And you'll notice that I have updated my diastasis recti course. And not only have I renamed it, but I have more exercises. I have more information in there and more techniques and resources inside this course, diastasis recti 101. So be sure to stay tuned for the launch and check the show notes for more information there. And remember, you're an heiress and a queen in everything in between. If you enjoyed this episode or even wondered if I can help you, check the show notes for more details. And to see what else I'm up to, follow me on the socials at Beyond the V, period, by Polly. Because I'm changing the conversation on women's health, the pelvic floor, and more, I still need your help. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend or two. See you next week.